Good morning, marketers, and welcome to the If You Market podcast, the only podcast that markets the shit out of it. Uh, if You Market is brought to you by Mountaintop Data and JoJo PR, and I'm your host, Sky Cassidy. Today, we'll be talking about website redesign with Brian Massey. Uh, Brian calls himself a conversion scientist, and he has the lab coat to prove it. I think he'll be wearing that for us today. Um, the company he founded in 2007, uh, Conversion Sciences, was one of the first agencies focused extensively on website optimization, and he has learned uh, what works on the web through thousands of website tests. His rare combination of interests, experience, and neuroses was developed over 20 years as a computer programmer, corporate marketer, and entrepreneur, and we're uh, really happy to have you on today, Brian, to talk about website redesign. I am happy to be here, and this is one of my favorite topics. It's always my least fun part of the podcast is stumbling through the bios. I'm wondering if maybe my bio isn't a little bit too hard to read. I should edit it. Yeah, that's blame me. That's on me. Uh, <laughs> reading should not be such a uh, far step for somebody. That's that's that shouldn't be too big a mountain to climb for me. Anyway, let's get over to website redesign. Um, lot to talk about there. I guess before we get over to that, let's let's get to you and kind of how you got where you're at. I think 2007 uh, conversion sciences. Uh, you, you started that. That had to be, a, I mean, as your bio says, kind of the beginning of really looking at that sort of stuff. Did yeah, if website have... development is one of my favorite topics, talking about myself is my number one favorite topic. So we're going with number two, but we'll start with you, actually, before we get to <laughs> website development. Um, 2007, you started Conversion Sciences. Before that, what were you up to before Conversion Sciences, um, and then how did you get there? Yeah, so my my history caused a, a bit of a, a schism uh, for me. I started off as a computer programmer, um, saw that I had a few social skills, so I imagined actually going into sales, technical sales, when I got out of college. I did that. I worked for Texas Instruments, selling semiconductors, uh, went cruised across, along the West Coast and rose to my highest level of incompetence in that role. Um, and was invited to leave, came back to Texas and said, I'm going to get back into coding. Uh, I had enough opinions on marketing that I got uh, recruited to be a marketer again. Um, I, uh, in the 90s, uh, decided that I really am not that good an employee. So I started my own web consulting business. And uh, we did some fun things all through the 90s until 2000. And the dot-com bust took out a few of our customers, which took us out. We just didn't want to start over and rebuild the doggone thing. So wait, going back to the 90s, you were doing website stuff in the 90s. You must have done some pretty terrible stuff. I mean, at the time, it was probably cutting edge, but now you got to look at it and say, that clip art was, uh, was ghastly. No, I actually have pulled um, uh, from the Wayback Machine one of the uh, homepages that I developed that was just horrendous. Um, and it's interesting because we, um, we were really focused on inner on De delivering graphics across the internet. Like we had Google Maps working with satellite photos in 98 mm -hmm. across dial-up. So, um, uh, yeah, it's it embarrassing. Like a video game or something, right? Or it took forever to load. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, no one should be ashamed um, about what they did in the 90s, what they did in the early 2000s. And, you know, I've been doing this game enough to know that ugly often wins. So what you have might be the best solution for your customers right now. This isn't about judging you. It's about figuring out what the visitors really want and going that direction. And in a field like that, that's evolving. I always like to say, if you're, if you're still really happy with what you did a decade before or a year before, then you're, 
you're probably like, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't, you should look at what you're doing <laughs> now and be disgusted by what you did last year because you're doing better now. Oh, uh, maybe we do need to ridicule some people into changing. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad thing to look at what you've done in the past and, and, you know, say, wow, I'm, I'm much better now is a good way of looking at it. But, uh, most things that were done in, on the internet in the 90s were probably, you know, by today's standards. I think there's what the famous site with Michael Jordan in the basketball movie. I think that's a site that's still up. Uh, the the Space Jam or Space Jam, yeah. And it's, <laughs> it's just cutting edge, edge, amazing when it came out, and and now it's still there, and people go and look at it for a laugh. So <laughs> I'm gonna have to go <laughs> check that out for the listeners. Go spec- check out Space Jam. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> That was, um, that was Brian, what you were striving for in the 90s was Space Jam, probably. Uh, yeah, well, it's what other people were striving for. Yeah. We were, we, I've, been, I've been decidedly off the brand side of things. So um, uh, really focus on user experience and, and how, if you're going to put something on the page, how is it going to make uh, the visitor feel more comfortable taking some action, converting? Did you ever make Flash intro sites? No, because we didn't build we didn't build websites. Um, I never really got into that business. We built some technology pieces that went into websites. Um, so yeah, we didn't uh, we didn't have to do that. All right, you saved yourself there. You yeah, I think so. <laughs> I'm sure there's tons of great designers now that did a lot of flash intros back in the day and learned from it. Well, now we're not uh, we're, we're making the same mistakes again, and we'll make them forever. Um, there's this thing called novelty bias, where we decide to put something on our website because it's new or cool, mm-hmm. and uh, we're I think we're leaving the era of the carousel, the rotating carousel at the top of every page. But now people are putting parallax scrolling stuff sliding in the you know, and it, you're just like Tons of parallax. Yeah, yeah, that's that's gonna look really ugly in about three more years. I think uh, I'm gonna redesign. Movies. I'm gonna redesign our website to Space Jam and just leave it like that. And <laughs> every ten years, it'll be cool. It'd be yeah. interesting to see if uh, Space Jam's getting a lot of traffic. So. Things really do come and go, though. And I would say that's what marketers do. We find out what do people want to see today, and we change to whatever that is to an extent. I mean, you're talking about UI and functionality and stuff like that, and that has to work and be good. But a lot of what marketers do is say, what's hip right now? What's the latest trend right now? What's trending on Twitter right now? Let's adjust to this, to that. Cause you're yeah. really just trying to look like what people want you to look like. Yeah. And you know, the thing is that we've kind of trained our agencies to do that. And, you know, we have uh, helicopter executives that are getting involved in everything we do, rewriting our copy and have providing their own individual opinion on what we're designing. And that's, that's the beauty of data. When we start, making decisions with data, the helicopter executive comes in and you say, well, we tested this against, you know, this, a larger sample size than just you and me. And this is the one that's going to win. So, okay. um, so it's not my opinion versus your opinion. It's your opinion versus all of our customers. Yeah. <laughs> Which one do you want to choose? <laughs> exactly. Uh, one of my favorite quotes is from the early internet days. I don't have it in front of me, so I'm, I'm going to mix it up a little bit, but it's, uh, if, um, if we're going on, opinions let's go with mine but if you've got data then we can run on that basically um some some version of that i think i would love uh, to find that quote especially if it's from a smart person because that is navigator i'll find it at the break it's from like the ceo of netscape navigator one of those companies back in the day all right we'll be shocked at how far off i was probably 
But yeah, he's basically telling everybody in this company, when it's opinion-based, mine matters the most. But if we've got data, then by all means, let's go off the data. And yeah, that all executives matter. thought that. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, so you were uh, working yourself around in the nineties in the, uh, in the website industry. Yep. Dot yep. com hits wipes everything out. Where do we go from there? So I started building the website and conversion engines for a number of technology companies uh, reinforced that. In fact, I'm not a very good employee because I love to build stuff, but when they say great jobs, just start putting quarters in it. I get a little bit bored. So I uh, actually was at the, there's this amazing school in Austin called the wizard Academy. It's a business school. And I saw Brian and Jeffrey Eisenberg present their wizards of the web seminar and they started uh, there's a uh, there's an old saying I like is like the sky is full of stars until somebody tells you about constellations and then the sky fills with stories and that's what they did for me they started putting words and verbalizing what I had been focused on I built my own analytics package to figure out you know how I could improve things but the language and then the disciplines of um, uh, optimization really started to coalesce then and I was like that's what you do when you're a computer programmer, marketer, salesperson, entrepreneur, there's nothing else you can do but put on a lab coat and go that direction. So I did. So it was kind of the functional, logical progression of your career to saying it hey. was, yeah, just, it just fit. And it has now for how long? 12 years. Excellent. So now 2007, you start conversion sciences. Um, what's your day to day there? What's your, what's your key role? My key role is uh, I am a senior conversion scientist. Conversion scientist is part um, uh, project management, customer management, part analytics person, and uh, knows how to manage a growth team to get tests done, uh, work through hypotheses, do the research so that um, when we're working through A-B tests, which is the best data we can collect, we're testing the right things and coming to the right conclusions. So and that's basically limited. science, right? If you don't have an A-B test, it's not science. Uh, no, you can totally do science without an A-B test, but the, the, the science <laughs> is better, the better the data is. I guess I'm thinking you have a control, you have multiple variables. Yes, yes. So if you, yes. for a double-blind, randomized study, mm -hmm. you can't beat an A-B test. Excellent. Or A, B, C, D, whatever you want to do. But yeah, yeah. A, B, N, yeah. Awesome. Uh, so let's, let's get over to website redesign. Uh, start digging in there. Can you tell me about your philosophy around that? So when someone does a web a, a website redesign, there there's a number of ways of doing it, but the most common way is what we call an all-in redesign. So if you imagine watching the World Series of Poker, um, everybody's playing the uh, percentages, um, passing, um, betting, or calling, or raising, and then suddenly somebody throws it all up against the wall, they, they go all in and, and, right. it's, and it just um, uh, completely changes the nature of the game. Um, website redesigns typically like that. And so um, you'll do a bunch of research, but then a, a design team will make tens of thousands of assumptions as they build it out. They'll spend six months, 12 months building it out. And then you really don't know if they made very good decisions until they push it all out onto the web all at once. Right. And um, I would imagine they're probably, maybe they're doing research and looking at a bunch of websites that are based on the last couple of years trends. Mm -hmm. um, so whether they're using the, uh, the, you know, the rotating stuff or the parallax or whatever it is, 
or they're a design firm that has been building a particular trend of websites for a little while, and they don't necessarily want to switch over to a new trend. They'd like to just keep making that same style. Um, so when we talk about keeping up with the trends, you're likely getting an old trend. You're getting last year's uh, design, basically, or, or, or whatnot. Yeah, and you know, I think um, I mean there are really smart people out there in UX and design that are designing these websites, but they're making assumptions about your customers uh, with some of your input, and there's just um, there's going to be some bad assumptions. Like I started off in this business doing personas and consulting. I would come in and 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 say, I looked at all your data. Here are the things that are missing from your website. Here are the things you should change and add. Uh, and then waved and said goodbye. In 2010, we started vigorously A-B testing. And the first thing I realized is all those great best practices ideas that I had, I was wrong on half of them. Well, you're right uh, on half. So. And, so I'm right on half, but you don't know, you don't know which ones. And when, right. so when we started testing, we very quickly were like, yeah, we can't. Every audience is different, and we just can't be using best practices anymore. It's very humbling. And they react for weird reasons that you'd never, we had a client uh, recently asking us, we do um, lists for, uh, for business to business marketing and data and appending and all that kind of stuff. We also mm -hmm. do offer an email delivery service and they, they wanted to buy some data and do an email campaign. And we were basically telling them like, we don't think you should because we don't know your industry that well. So it's really tough to say, but I don't think they're going to respond to direct emails. You probably need to reach out to them in a different way. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just every, you know, every industry, like you said, responds so much that the mm -hmm. audience responds different. One type of website, another, you know, some people are, are going to respond to something that just other people are disgusted by. Yeah. Um, well, even, even two websites in the same industry, they, they're yeah. going to bring a different kind of person. So and I guess short of being an expert and having your gut finally tuned within that industry, um, the A-B testing, getting the data, that kind of tells you right where people are at. Yeah, yeah. And we have playbooks. So we, we know the tests that have won over and over again previously. And inevitably, that will just not work for cust the third customer we bring in in that space. So. But you know it this time, so you're not getting 50-50 anymore. Uh, no, we're not. We're not. But we're... Um, so we essentially conversion optimization is website redesign. We just do it very slowly. Uh, the beauty of it is, is we start getting increased conversion rate within a couple of months, as opposed to having to wait and wait six or 12 months to push the whole thing out and then hope that the number of good decisions you make outweigh the number of bad decisions in that uh, design process. So I don't know why more people won't redesign that way. Um, so I think people generally want to tear the whole thing down, remodel everything and, and uh, from there versus just, you know, do the bathroom, do the kitchen, do the, <laughs> do one room at a time kind of type of a thing, I guess. Yeah. Well, um, plus it's a huge project. It's one of the biggest projects a marketing team is going to get. They get all this budget. They get to change everything. It's very exciting, very fun. Mm -hmm. And so you can see why they do it. Uh, the agencies encourage them to do it because we've trained the agencies to, uh, to do this kind of development, um, you know, the old, here's three mock-ups, you pick the one you like. Well, well I guess it's 2019. You want a waterfall, right? They, it's easier for them to just say, line up, here's how everything's going to be, and now we'll build it out, than the, um, you know, the method that we use for software design and, and whatnot nowadays, where there's so much more back and forth. It's look at it, readjust, go back. Developers, designers, they don't like that. They'd rather say, here's the blueprints, make it. They don't want to have to keep testing and redoing things and, 
and they don't want the plans to change all the time. They'd really prefer, I think, to have it all laid out ahead of time. But then, yeah, you don't know until it's all laid out and then you put it out if it works. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, if, you know, if they're asking you to pick a design, the, rea- the response today should be, I-, I don't know, collect some data and tell me which one of these is going to win. And when we start training our agencies that way, I think we're going to, um, well, I know that we're going to bring them in because those agencies are now calling us whenever a client is like, I don't know, collect some data for me. Right. I was going to say, I don't know if the agencies frequently are maybe designed for that. Your company specifically, that's what you do, right? Are you, yes. You're not building the sites, are you? We, uh, we, we do build the sites, yes, but most of our business is improving an existing site. Right. So mostly it's the site builders coming to you saying, these guys don't know what they want. We don't know what will work for them. And they have you basically do the blueprints kind of. Actually, it's usually more often that they've just finished a redesign. Their conversion <laughs> rates went down. They spent a lot of money. And now they're coming to us going like, we did this and now we, can you help? Can you get us out? Okay. So they built <laughs> their own tree fort. Now they're saying, oh shit, this is falling apart on us. We need an actual engineer to come in and, uh, and design an architect for this thing. Uh, yeah, well, it's usually very well architected, very well designed, and just not what the visitors wanted. So it, it, yeah. it's, it's <laughs> fabulous for the people inside the company. Um, just not the customers. Just not the customers. And if that's where you make your money, then give us a call. We'll, we'll, we'll test your way out of it. So I've got a note here um, that says, why do marketers make bad decisions? Um, so when it comes to making these website designs, uh, what, what do you think on that? Why do they make it? We've, we spoke a little bit about it, but can you Primarily think- because they're human. So we carry around this three pound mass of biases. I mean, there's a lot of data coming into our eyes, through our ears, through our senses, and so our brain is great at shortcuts. And uh, those are manifest themselves as biases. Um, so we talked about novelty bias, something cool and interesting is, is gonna be foremost. We deal a lot with what's called confirmation bias. So I'm, I'm gonna make a choice in my design, or I'm gonna make a choice in my content, or make a choice in my calls to action based on what I think works. I'm gonna pick the, 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 the the designs that agree with my opinion. Um, and it doesn't matter how well I know my customers, I'm probably not picking well for them or too often I'm not. So that's what science is designed to do. It's designed to keep our knee jerk brains from making all the decisions. Right. So there's a lot of talk nowadays about data driven marketing, data driven decision making, all that kind of stuff. And I botched that quote uh, earlier. And then, but this is a real example of that in action. We're saying, hey, rather than going off with your current biases and going off your gut and stuff on this, there's there's a way. Here's what it means to work with the data. You have to first go out and build the data. Um, I mean, I suppose you could just do a website search and look at a handful of websites and think that's data, but that doesn't mean that that's what your customers are going to react to because you said these sites look good. Make it look like this. Um, Like actually going out, building, testing um, small parts is collecting real data that's relevant to what they're doing and then putting it into action. We say steal like a scientist. I'm I'm riffing on Austin (laughs) Kleon's book, steal like an artist, but steal like a scientist. So go ahead and collect things you like about other websites, but don't put them on your site until you do a little study that's, that would would demonstrate that it's going to work or not work because it could be killing their conversion rate and they're just doing it because it's cool. Yeah. It doesn't mean they're right. Don't be a lemming with your website. 
Um, I love your uh, three-pound mass of biases. I've never heard the brain described that way. <laughs> That's nice. Um, so I'm sure you've seen, you said a lot of people come to you guys once there's kind of been a disaster is how they find you. Um, they've done the full website rebuild and it's just not, it's not performing after they poured all the money into it. Uh, can you give some examples of, uh, you know, some, maybe some epic fails, uh, that, that kind of thing in that area, maybe some successes as well? Well, my favorite is uh, a company called Finish Line. You might know them, the apparel and shoe company. Um, right before the holidays in 2012, they did a complete redesign, rebrand. I mean, it was a stark change. And their site, you know, you look at it and you're like, yeah, there's a, it's just a little 1990 looking gradients and clutter and stuff like that. So you could imagine them being really excited about all this, these new stylized images and features from the blog and, um, it was just a stark contrast. Within a few weeks, they had lost $3 million in sales. They were smart enough to keep a copy of the old site on a server somewhere. So they didn't totally crater their holiday. Um, but you have to ask, how does a highly budgeted, smart agency and an executive team that really knows their customers get all the way to launch before they realize that they're about to shoot themselves in the foot. Wow. Um, they just and, believed in their own intuition, I guess. Yeah. Wrongly. And that's, that's those swimming biases <laughs> that uh, are, are, we just, we, we have to use science to put them on. You need to be humbled in this, in this job and the data is cheap. It's easy to collect. The tools are amazing and they're getting better every day. We're in this golden age. You can do all sorts of, "Quote unquote science experiments without leaving your your desk. It's uh, there's there's really not much. There's not a good excuse not to be testing some of these ideas. And I guess like for the executives, if you don't want to be wrong, don't have an opinion ahead of time. <laughs> like science, you say here's a bunch of possibilities. Let's test and see what's best. And then you're right every time. Like you don't have to dig into something for no particular reason or because you know just taking a pick and you, know, you don't have to do it like the uh, um, you know, music executives where they're like, oh, this is going to be the next big thing. And maybe it is and maybe it isn't. And this guy has a good ear for it. No, you can actually test this and know um, if what's going to work and then just be right and win every time. It's well, the you know, the music industry also is a self-fulfilling prophecy. And we can do that as well. Yeah. So we can push... We can push a website redesign out and then like, oh, this is not working. So you just double down and increase the traffic and that kind of makes up for the for the performance mm. drop. But that's, you know, your, your acquisition yeah. cost and profit goes down. And if your competitor does the same thing, but they test and they double down on the marketing and they get the website right, yeah, they're going to eat your lunch. Yeah, they're going to have all the leverage. Uh, conversion yeah. rate is an amazing leverage in all of your marketing. So It occurs to me in what you were saying also that not just a mistake of building the site and then putting it out without having tested it, but they, they put it out at a critical time of year. They did. It seems like if you're going to build something new, put it out in the summer, see how it reacts versus previous summer. So that if it's a bomb, you're not thinking your number one, you know, time, you don't launch your new site right before your big event or something like that. You've got to launch it well before test it and then make sure it's converting yeah, um, I mean, I suppose if it's a movie, you can launch it during Oscar time, and then you know you can't really pretest it too much, um, even though they do have that. But on something like a website, there's no reason not to wait or, or do it ahead of time, and, and instead of just hoping 
it doesn't it doesn't tank your biggest time of year. Yeah, well, and just recently, Hertz sued Accenture for thirty-two million dollars because they paid thirty-two million dollars for a website that wow. just never got out. <laughs> and you know what's going on there? It's the client is coming back with, and they're they're changing scope. And Accenture didn't do a good job of managing that scope. And so Accenture is pointing fingers back at them. They're pointing fingers at Accenture. Data could have helped make so many of those decisions so much better if they had just. Um, done some interim right. testing. $32 million for a website? I'm going to yeah. start designing websites. I got a new yeah. business. Wow. And Accenture came <laughs> back and said they needed another 11 or $12 million to finish it. Oh, I, God, I remember back in the day, someone would be like, this guy got $5,000 just to build a website. Like $5,000? What kind of business pays five grand for a website? <laughs> I, needed, <laughs> I need to learn some code. Where's the HTML book? Um, $32 million. I mean, I know their website has a lot inside it and uh, a lot going on and whatnot but yeah that's that's quite a bomb there that's uh that's a problem we see that in our business sometimes people buy data they go out they have a bad campaign they come back and they say hey, it's, it's your fault we want our money back and then you gotta you have to handle that sometimes you look into it and you say oh it kind of was our fault we messed up on this um never happens with us i'm sure it does with other people <laughs> uh, well, I, I actually i appreciate it's refreshing to hear your honesty on that i mean um, sometimes you do you do a bad pool or um you think things, that these demographics were representative of your clients yeah uh you know frequently sometimes the client gave criteria and then the data is delivered for that criteria and that's not really what they wanted that's what they said they wanted but it's not what they meant it's not what they needed they left stuff out that they assumed oh of course you know we're only doing manufacturing like, no no you have to put all the criteria in there and sometimes it's just you know somebody on there they have terrible content terrible uh, creative the campaign tanks and somebody's looking for someone else to get fired. <laughs> yeah. We worked with a client that sold, that sold Hunter Douglas uh, window shades. These are high end. Their customers are, you know, high end. These are big homes, um, high, high average incomes. So we thought we were selling to those kind of people that aren't price sensitive. Mm -hmm. um, and we went in and looked at the AdWords campaigns and we found out that the highest performing ads far and away were like a hundred dollars off 20% off. And so it turns out that even our assumptions were wrong. And we went in and, and rewrote the landing page for price sensitive people. We call them transactional buyers. And we saw a huge increase in the number of um, appointments booked. So uh, now they may have money and that's why they're buying the high end, but they still want that initial deal, especially when they're, when they're paying a premium for it, they want to see that possibly that's the hook that gets them in. And then once you have them hooked, money's not much of an object, but, they're, we, they're thought, we know that now, or we hypothesize that now, but we wouldn't have known it if we hadn't. We're a conversion optimization company. There's no reason for us to look at AdWords, but it's great <laughs> data. It helps us understand what's going on. So we do it. Fantastic. I want to take a quick break here. Um, we're going to come back in just a minute, and we'll dig more into uh, website redesign, see if we can get some specific, uh, something to think about over the break, some specific do's and don'ts for people when uh, when looking to redesign their website, both, I guess, on the small side, so somebody who's, a small business, maybe they have an in-house guy doing the website, um, all the way up to the the large companies that need to, uh, you know, involve several different firms and that kind of stuff. The thirty-two million dollar website. Bombora shows marketers which companies are interested in their products and services right now. This helps those marketers to be more relevant and consistent across all sales and marketing tactics. Bombora does this by collecting and analyzing online content consumption through a data cooperative of business websites. 
Oracle, Salesforce, and Marketo are a few of the businesses that use this data for better sales and marketing. To learn more about how Bombora can help your business, visit bombora.com. That's B-O-M-B-O-R-A.com. Welcome back to the If You Market Podcast. I'm your host, Sky Cassidy, and we have here with us today uh, Brian Massey of Conversion Sciences talking about website redesign. Um, so Brian, before, in the first half, I'd thrown out, I'd butchered a quote. And uh, as we mentioned, I looked that up during the break. And uh, the proper quote is, if we have data, let's look at data. If all we have are opinions, let's go with mine. It's by Jim uh, Barksdale of Netscape. And that had to be, I don't have a year on it, but sometime during the 90s, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, easily 90, mid-90s. As the I, boss, one of my favorite quotes. <laughs> and I'm surprised I haven't heard that because that is, that is exactly where we land. Except yeah. you don't have to listen to our opinion because we've already learned that our opinion <laughs> is, is not that good. You don't have one until you get the data. And yeah. then that's your new opinion is whatever the data said wins. Makes us Fantastic. look really smart. So, so going back to the website redesign, we've covered the, um, you know, the difference in philosophy between just doing this bulk website design, um, redesigning the whole thing and launching it, and the kind of incremental design, I think, this is the side you come down on there. And don't let me put words in your mouth if I'm getting something wrong, correct me. Um, but let's dig into that a little bit more and maybe start out with um, tech stack. Do you have any particular techs that, that you find that you like people to use or that you use yourself that you like? So I don't have particular. So there's, there's, the, marketing, uh, there's the marketing stack, which is uh, CMS to uh, marketing automation or email service provider, CRM. And if you're in a large organization, there might be a, a business intelligence or warehousing capability that, that pulls mm -hmm. in additional stuff. Um, and then there's the experimenting stack, which uh, really is inside of the, the marketing world in my experience, but uh, it should be organization wise because I think product managers should be using this stuff too. Um, and that consists of the analytics, uh, heat map reports, session recordings, things like that. Uh, uh, being able to bring panels in to look at your creative. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's that tech stack. In terms of the marketing stack, I am agnostic, except that some pieces of it don't integrate. So if I generate a lead on the web, it needs to go into the marketing automation system as having that source. Marketing automation system qualifies that buyer. Then it gets handed off to the uh, salespeople, to the CRM. And that source needs to follow all the way through because most people who are lead generation, especially business to business, lead generation businesses, they don't know what the value of a lead is. They can't put a dollar value on it. Um, and so they can't even value their traffic. They can't, it's uh, surprising. So when we come in um, as part of our sales process, we're like, let's figure out what the value of a lead is so we can see if small changes in conversion rate are gonna make you, uh, make you grow, make you more successful. Cause we don't wanna take a client on that uh, we aren't uh, reasonably sure that we're going to be able to improve things for them. Right, even if you succeed, it's not gonna change their bottom line much. Yeah. They won't see the ROI on your services. Yeah. For specifics on stacks, I mean, Dan McGaw is a great resource on that. And um, I can give you a link to uh, one of my interviews with him. Excellent. Excellent. Um, but the MarTech stack, so that's great. When you're looking at your MarTech, make sure that it can communicate back and forth with your website, I guess. Um, there's some things that are going to be pushed from the website into a CRM or into your lead management, whatever it is. And then um, 
you, you're going to have maybe some of the MarTechs actually push into the website as well. But on the website side, for instance, something like WordPress, do you love it, hate it, not really care? Where do you come down on, on that? You mentioned the website uh, monitoring and heat maps, uh, Hotjar versus any other tools that might do that. Yeah, um, yeah. So forms, we do you have, have a favorite form. We have tool several clients on WordPress. Uh, we have a number of clients recently on Shopify. So Shopify is getting some larger clients. Um, the issue in all of those comes down to, from our standpoint, is how much control do you have over performance? So WordPress um, is very easily bogged down by plugins. And as it turns out, Shopify is the same way. So we have clients come in and they've added all these uh, apps, these plugins that has slowed the page load. And on desktop and tablet, but even more so on mobile, that can be a conversion killer. So I would focus on the two questions I would ask about your CMS is, do I have control over performance? Can I, um, you know, can I get done what I need to do without adding these, these slow, um, ineffective plugins? Mm -hmm. And will it integrate with the rest of my stack? Can I get visibility all the way from somebody visiting or bringing somebody from a, a list that I've purchased and follow them through the, per, the, the process so that um, I have some idea how those campaigns are working. So whatever CRM you're working with, basically make sure your website technology integrates with that. Otherwise you've got to change something. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it's not just conversion SEO. I mean, Google is cracking the whip on bad, on bad performing websites. It's, it's a good thing I think for the, for um, the visitors out there, but it's really gonna, it's their it's new thing. So funny. I feel like people think of Google almost as uh, an adversary. Like they think, Oh, Google's changing this and changing that and it hurts us. Or when really all Google's trying to do with its algorithms is serve, the user and it's not the website, it's the people searching for websites. So they aren't out to get any particular business and they aren't out to ruin somebody's SEO. They're just out to make sure when people search for something, they get the best results. And so really that it's up to the websites to make sure that they're being found by the right people. And that's, I think what the algorithm changes are, are typically designed for. People yeah. might have some different opinions there, but uh, a lot of people just kind of they see Google as the enemy and yet it's 90% of their traffic or, or whatnot. It's like, no, no, they're just trying to serve the searchers. Well, when we're talking about redesigns. You want to, do you want to know what, what triggered the most redesigns recently was Google's insistence that um, websites be um, responsive. So people were redesigning their desktop tablet website to make it responsive, throwing out everything that worked in exchange for a, a, you know, a responsive template and sure that improved things for the mobile site, but it was, I mean, it, that hurts so many businesses uh, because it's, it's hard to decide, make all those decisions and be right about enough of them to improve the conversion rate. Interesting. So, so are you guys um, sitting around when Google's, is it like uh, people camping outside of Apple headquarters cause they're going to release their new product uh, or something like that? Google's coming out with a new thing and you're like, here comes the business. Everybody's going to need a redesign. <laughs> what are they going to say? Is it every, our phone's going to start ringing. Get some extra people in here to answer this. It's like a, uh, one of those uh, uh, telethons or something in your office when they do uh, an update. We really should. We really should because it does generate a lot of calls for us. That's funny. <laughs> All right. Um, let me see. Do you have any other specific do's or don'ts? Anything you've seen little things, I guess I'd say. I mean, I know the whole website, the make sure you're A-B testing, make sure 
those are really big things kind of, but do you have any examples of small things that people could do or not do maybe in a small business where the CEO is doing the website themselves or they got a couple employees, it's all in-house um, to, you know, whether it's a tech to employ to help them A-B test or just a technique. I think uh, for businesses, the, the biggest mistakes that we see um, are, um, not using your traffic wisely. So it's one thing to build out uh, organic traffic um, and that's typically bringing people to articles and things. And so the websites, you know, we'll usually put those on a blog or on, a, on an information page internally and they'll forget to put calls to action around the content, something as simple as that. Um, every page is a landing page and a landing page has two jobs. Keep the promise made in the ad or the email or the social media post or the link on your site and the second job is to get them to make a choice, yes or no, in or out, um, because that's the reason you're bringing people to your site. For paid traffic, if you're, for instance, going out on Facebook and bringing people, there, people will bring Facebook traffic to home pages and things like that. Um, no, you should build a specific landing page that knows the promise that was made. It's the same with AdWords. We see people sending, you know, traffic, paying for clicks to home pages, category pages on e-commerce sites when a product page would have been better. So targeting your ads is a, a huge step that you can, you can take. And once you're targeting them towards landing pages, then you can start asking like, okay, how do I increase the performance of this page and start doing some of these experiments that, that we love to do. So maybe if somebody's skeptical, they're driving uh, Google AdWords traffic to their homepage, Facebook ad traffic to their homepage it's easy enough to create another page. Most, most of these programs, maybe you have to use a plugin on WordPress. I'm not sure, but um, to create a copy of that homepage and then customize it for that ad and drive either all the traffic to that version or half the traffic and AB test it. So they, and then they can reach out to you afterward and, you know, maybe tweet you or, or make a post on LinkedIn saying you were right. <laughs> we AB tested it and you were right. I'm sure you would appreciate that. Um, if you can, but even just reach out to your AdWords agency or your team. If you're a, you know, the head of marketing or a business owner, tell them you go on a spreadsheet of all the ads for the last six to 12 months. And, and look, we're all natural behavioral scientists. We know when there's a large sample size, a lot of people clicking through. Um, the, if I'm not making money on that, there's something wrong with the page they're going to. So That's easy um, enough to do, right? To make that copy of the page and, and split the traffic or direct. It is. The easiest thing, I guess, would be to redirect. For your highest performing ads. So it's not like right. you can do it for every one of them. The problem is, I think there's, a, there's some very good paid search, uh, search marketing agencies out there, but they're not incentivized to uh, deliver good pages. And what they think is a good page is a well-designed page. And as we've learned, uh, the, the myriad decisions that go into designing something um, are not necessarily going to deliver uh, increasing conversion rate. So an immediate to do for small businesses listening is go find that, that uh, paid ad that you have and uh, that's going to your, to your homepage, create a copy of the homepage, customize it to that ad and direct just that ad to that, um, to that page. Yeah, or all and, of the uh, ads that use a similar offer it. to that page. Yeah, yeah. it's it's uh, it's it's keeping right. the the uh, the clicker on scent all the way through. So and step two is watch it. Step three is uh, reach out to Brian and say thank you. <laughs> say thank you. Um, I will say this also on for mobile visitors. If you have a call center, consider optimizing your mobile site for mm -hmm. click to call. 
um, you will be amazed. It's harder to fill things out on mobile. And so um, that might be the thing. The mobile site really should be optimized independently of the desktop site. So if you do have a form or maybe you don't have a form, you just put a call button there. If you have a form, put a call button also. Yeah, actually both is best. There will be people who will fill out the form and it's a great, um, what we call a conversion beacon. It, it, it clearly shows that, oh, they're asking me to do something because there's a form on this page and it's a lot easier to see than just a, an independent button. Right. And I guess I'm a big fan of the have one uh, call to action. You know, email marketing have one obvious call to action, but I'd say have one primary. You can still give them the option because some people hate being on the phone and some people hate, you know, chatting in a chat box. Yeah. Or sending an email and having that. There's like, I just want to call right now and talk to somebody. And if you give, do give them both options, you can have one primary, then you're going to, probably get a lot more people. It's not like you're confusing them by also adding a phone number after the fact or, or you know, whichever one you want to be the primary. And that way you yeah. don't alienate the possibly large percentage of people who'd prefer to just call you an order right now or whatever it is that your call to action is. Yeah. For our clients who cherish phone calls, I mean, they're going to make seven to 10 times more money than a form fill. We'll actually at the top of the form say, for immediate action, call this number. Hmm. But if you're, if you're not that serious about this, you can fill out this form. And then we find out that the more fields we add to the form, the, the higher the call rate goes. So. <laughs> oh, and, oh, yeah. You can direct them to the call just by adding some more, <laughs> some more hoops to jump through in the form. And yeah. I think most salespeople, if you ask them, they would rather have their phone ring and be able to actually back and forth and work with somebody than, um, than be dealing with a form fill information. Yeah. They don't want to get junk phone calls. Uh, you know, that's one of the yeah. issues of conversion. We don't, we can increase the conversion rate, but we don't want to send a bunch of junk uh, yeah. leads. So I guess you can AB test that too. Ask your salespeople. <laughs> yes, <laughs> when you start absolutely. pushing stuff to them, ask them. So were these form fills garbage or were the calls garbage or uh, so that you can make sure you're not, yeah, just making a bunch of conversions that uh, piss off your sales team. Yeah. Well, for small businesses, as you know, you, this is going to be preaching in the choir, but the, the value is in the list. The list mm -hmm. is the thing. Even today, that email list, I shouldn't say even today because it just keeps getting better and better. Um, so if you're going to make a secondary call to action, get that email address or over on mobile, maybe that's all you're, you're going to be able to get people to do. Um, so yeah. you might focus on building your list and then get them to buy through a, a, a practiced email campaign. Email is not what it used to be because it used to be overused and overhyped and under people were not, didn't have their guard up yet. So when it first came on the scene, of course, it was just a bonanza fish in a barrel type wild west thing. But now it's an extremely effective medium for communicating with people. So mm -hmm. it still does extremely well. It's just no longer this, uh, this gold rush of a uh, marketing tactic. Yeah. People building quality, uh, contact lists of people who are really within their target. I mean, the form fill list is an amazing thing. If you build a good form fill list of people who are actually have interest in your product or service or whatever it is, and you can regularly touch base with them. Yeah. Well, where are you going to get Nothing conversion rate like conversion <laughs> rates like that? I mean, you're not going to get those from Facebook. You're not going to get those yeah. from Pinterest. You're not going to get those from, well, if you, if you optimized your paid search, you might get close to email conversion rates, but yeah. Awesome. Uh, this been this been great. I think uh, we need to uh, to wrap it up here. Is there anything else you want to cover? Anything else you want to uh, say to the audience about website uh, design before we roll into the uh, the credits here? Um, I would say this. Um, 
there are a number of tools out there that allow you to do one of two things. You want to increase the sample size, the number of people who are giving input on your creative. It's just you, maybe your team, five or 10 people. Um, go out and check out a usability hub um, and uh, install analytics on all your stuff. Google Analytics has an amazing free package and it's on 99% of the sites as it is. And then pull down something like a hot jar so that you can see how far people are scrolling on pages, where they're clicking on those pages and begin to diagnose why some of these pages aren't converting as high as you want. Start look, just, you don't have to be a data scientist. You know how to read these, these charts as well as a, a map. Figure out something that you'll do that you can run some experiments and test some of your creative to figure out what's going on. Um, and it will start a fire uh, you know, in your brain and in your team because in two or three years, you're not going to be a digital marketer if you're not using these tools to make decisions. Uh, the first so time you see that A-B test result and you say, whoa, this is better than this, you'll be hooked. Yeah. You want yeah. to do it to everything. <laughs> and you don't have to stop at B. You can go A, B, C, D, whatever, however many options frequently you think might be good. Um, fantastic. I love it. It's been great having you on. Um, I want to let people know where they can find you. LinkedIn, I suppose they can just put your name in, but um, your, your LinkedIn profile is at B Massey. Um, reach out to, to Brian there and harass him to connect with you. You can also find him uh, uh, podcasts. You guys have, have a new podcast. It's intended the, Consequences. The Intended, intended con Go to a Intended Consequences podcast. We only allow people to listen to podcasts if they know how to spell. So. <laughs> so I will not spell it out here, but uh, I'm sure you could Google it. Um, <laughs> I'm a terrible speller. I probably would get it wrong and send everybody away anyway. Uh, so anywhere else uh, do you want people to go to find you? Um, what about Conversion Sciences website? Yeah, we share everything that we're learning there. You'll, you'll be able to plug in not only to the podcast, but to our blog. Um, and uh, there's no better place to learn, in my opinion. If you're and interested in experimenting. That's sciences plural, right? Plural, yep. Sciences. Excellent. Well, it's been great talking to you about the uh, website redesign and websites in general, AB testing, all this good stuff. Um, listeners, you can find more on the show notes, more on Brian Massey and, uh, and conversion sciences and, and all that stuff on the ifyoumarket.com website. Uh, on behalf of the If You Market team and Brian Massey of Conversion Sciences, thank you for listening to the If You Market podcast, where we believe if you market the shit out of it, they will come. <laughs> the If You Market podcast is brought to you by Mountaintop Data. And at Mountaintop Data, we're all about data for B2B marketing. Our goal is to improve the quality, depth, and coverage of our clients' targeted marketing data while removing the technical pain of accessing and implementing data. We help with everything from new target contacts to appending and cleaning existing data, all with the goal to free you and your team up to focus on creating great marketing experiences. Check us out online at mountaintopdata.com and sign up for our new top data search tool and get free access to search our database of over 30 million business contacts. Use the code hashtag IYM when signing up and get 200 free credits. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.